for today. Well, for all of our fathers here, happy Father's Day. And for those who are spiritual fathers and leaders in our church, we're so grateful for your presence in our lives and in our congregation. You are a gift. We are really happy to be here in the building with running water today. (laughs) So we thank you for your patience last week and working with us. Um, As you can see, the construction's gotten even worse outside. We anticipate it is going to be that way for a little while. Um, Don't get too close, but we have a huge hole out front right by where the drive we usually use is. So for a while, this north drive may be the only one open. So just keep that in mind as you're here in the coming weeks. Um, If we know anything else, we will keep you updated. Um, Just so y'all are aware, this has been sent out, but Senior Bless has been postponed to next weekend. Sorry. I I had a bug flying to my throat just a moment ago, and I'm still recovering a little bit. (laughs) more from the shock. Okay, we have Senior Bless next Sunday. We hope that you'll be here. We will have a luncheon afterwards honoring J.D. Fuller. Um, So we hope you'll stay. This is always such a special tradition here at Bering, and we're excited that we can participate in that together again. Um, Finally, our service today is going to look a little bit different, as I'm sure you've seen on our order. Um, We have several speakers sharing today on forgiveness. And I just wanted to share a little bit about that. Our young adult group, which we call the B Team, um, has started meeting again every other week. We just meet together for fellowship and dinner. And a couple months ago, Jeff joined us for a meal. Um, And we spent the evening talking about forgiveness. And one of the things that we discussed is how, based on our own experiences and perspectives on forgiveness, it can look really different. And what that means really varies. So today we're going to have several people share with us Um, just some of their thoughts on forgiveness, their experiences, what that means. So we're excited to hear from several several of our members today. So we are so glad that you're here. Our dwelling in the word passage from Psalm 103, section 2, for those of you following along. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He has been, he has, he made known his ways to Moses his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you are able, please stand. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Thank you, let's be seated. I was in middle school, 
And my private Christian school at the time was shaped like a square with an outdoor courtyard in the middle. School day had just ended, and with a little bit of snow on the ground, there were several of us throwing snowballs at each other. One of my friends popped up behind me and nailed me in the back with a really hard, compact snowball, and it stung. I chased him, and as he ducked uh, into a teacher's classroom, I knew I couldn't hit him with a snowball anymore. But I wanted to voice my displeasure anyway, so I ripped the door open and said, you blank. I'm not going to say the word now, but it starts with F and literally means pack of cigarettes. For those of you who still don't know what I'm talking about, the term I used is a derogatory term for a gay person. I wish I could tell you that it was hard for me to come up with a story like this, but it really wasn't. I said these kind of things all the time at that age. Uh, I was even the kind of kid who would get on the internet forums to pick fights with people I disagreed with and condemn people for their sexuality or for holding beliefs I didn't find compatible with my faith. I tried to be a good kid, and in a way, even thought I was uh, being kind by doing these things. Got to make sure people know the truth, right? But I was just being mean and hateful, all in the guise of being a good Christian. I contributed to a toxic environment and condemned people beloved by God because I didn't understand and frankly didn't care about their experiences. Now listen, I didn't come here today for this to be some sort of grand confession. I made my peace with who I was then and who I am now. I came here today to pose a question and make a challenge. We'll start with the question. How do we seek forgiveness when we don't even know exactly who we've hurt? I'll say it again so it has a chance to sink in. How do we seek forgiveness when we don't know exactly who we've hurt? When I was asked to speak on forgiveness, this is the question that immediately came to mind for me. Because I know I hurt people, even if I didn't know fully what I was doing at the time, and even if my words weren't targeted, I contributed to a system and an environment that hurt people. And I deeply regret that now. I deeply regret the times that I have been homophobic, racist, religiously bigoted, ableist, whatever else. And I'm sad about the fact that people who saw me then don't get to see how I've changed, uh, or get to hear me say that those things weren't right and weren't reflective of the love of God. I know I'm probably not the only one who has regrets about things they've said or done in the past. Maybe like me, you don't know who you may have hurt by your, your actions. Or maybe you do know who you've hurt, but there's no way for you to ask them for forgiveness now, for whatever reason. I challenge you to bring these things to mind. Not to feel bad about them, not to shame yourself for them. There's no point in that. It doesn't help anyone. But true repentance means that you live differently as a result. And being aware of your past mistakes helps you become aware of ways to live differently. Now for the challenge. For those of you, like me, who have these regrets from our pasts, may our lives be a living apology. May we show repentance by the way that we live, by what we say and how we say it, by how we love our neighbors, by standing up for people on the margins, by creating safe spaces where everyone can fully experience the boundless love of God. May our lives reflect our repentance, and may we find our forgiveness there. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness away, Jesus my Savior I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend, he met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I'm telling he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed.
today. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love, oh what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made, when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace he did proffer, he saved me, oh praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now I've a hope that will surely endure, after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure, there in those mansions divine. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believed. Riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand I received. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, morning. This is the word of the Lord from Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began, when he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 
And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all of his possessions and the payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him his debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seized him by the throat and said, Pay what you owe. Then this fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. Then his fellow slaves saw what happened, and they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then the Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he should pay his entire debt. So God will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So, some thoughts on forgiveness. Oh, there's the beginning, okay. So we're taught from a very young age that when we hurt others, we say sorry, and the rote response that we're taught is, it's okay and I forgive you. As a child, how often were we forced to play through these motions with our siblings and our friends? How easy was it to say those words and still hold hurt, anger, frustration, or bitterness in our hearts and in our minds? as if those rote sayings were supposed to erase all that took place. On special occasions, in that ceremony, the I'm sorry, I forgive you, that was the end of the conversation. The result of a longer, more thought-provoking series of questions provided by my mom, dad, or teacher. Questions like, when you did this, how do you think it made them feel? Or if someone did this to you, how do you think you would feel? And as a child who was more interested in getting back to the playground than I was about learning lessons, it was often easy for me to give the answers I knew they were looking for. Push through and get to the ceremony, the I'm sorry and it's okay, I forgive you. And then we could go back to playing as if nothing happened. So often in public examples, we see from big corporations, celebrities, and politicians, I feel that they are seeking the same thing. Jump to the ceremony to get to this sweet, sweet, I forgive you, without actually seeking forgiveness. For me and for some that I've had conversations with, these examples in the public realm hold a big influence on the way that we look at seeking forgiveness and seeking public forgiveness. In order to be in a place to ask forgiveness, I think that I need to seek forgiveness. A small distinction, ask for forgiveness, seek forgiveness. But in that distinction, uh, sorry, but a big distinction in that action. In my mind, seeking forgiveness is about seeking transformation. Sometimes we have to want to want to seek forgiveness before we can want to seek forgiveness. Seeking transformation is not passive. It's about seeing the situation, the events, and the experience from the other side. I don't think we're called to flagellate ourselves, to, to 
whip our backs for our own wrongdoings. I don't think that we're called to make ourselves feel the pain that we caused others, but rather to understand that pain and see the hurt that was caused. I think that's a decent place to start. So as, as Ted Lasso says, stay curious, not judgmental, and ask questions. Ask questions like, what is their experience? And how can I step outside my worldview into theirs and know better how this has affected them and know how this has affected them better? And as I wrote this, and as I'm saying this now, I am convicted that I don't always take this approach with others. Um, and that's an opportunity that I invite us to go into um, to move forward in this experience. Stay curious, not judgmental, and ask questions. Thanks. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in our group. Uh, we have a couple of updates. I hope all of you have gotten the order today with, there are many listed there uh, to be in prayer for. I have an update on the, um, the Davidsons. Abby is going to have her chemo postponed for a week, her next chemo treatment, because She's recovering from COVID, and Michael now has it too. So we need to be in prayer for them as they are working hard to recover. Uh, Ginny and Nedra are here. If you haven't said hi to them, they made it back. Yay, we're celebrating. And they're here and healthy, and that's great. Um, and we got the report that Dale Simcox is really improved and Linda is, is improving. They're both on the mend, so that's wonderful. Um, as we started worship this morning, Bobby Hunt received word that his sister Janet passed away this morning. and They left as soon as they got that word, so we need to all please be in prayer for them as they walk through this sadness. And uh, that's it. Happy birthday, Michael. Um, pray with me. Pray with me, please. Father, we, we come to you and we ask for, for healing, for, for comfort for those in our midst who are struggling physically. We ask that you ease the symptoms for Abby and Michael so that she can get back on her schedule for treatments. And Father, we, we pray a special blessing that on, on Bobby and Jean Hunt. Father, give them the peace that only you can give. 
Let them be a blessing to the rest of their family as they <clears throat> mourn Bobby's sister, Janet. God, we have so many examples from scripture of you as a caregiver, as a parent, a parent parental unit. God, we, we know that you are like a good shepherd who goes searching for that missing sheep. We know that you are like a mother hen gathering her chicks under her wing. And God, you are the father waiting for that child to come home. Today we thank you for the gift of fathers and for men who have fathered us as mentors and guides. Generous and providing God, we thank you for the good gifts you give through fathers. Guide them to be good role models and loving to all their children. Blessed and just God, we thank you for fathers who teach justice and uphold your truth. Strengthen them to handle difficult situations in a loving way. Protecting and kind God, we thank you for those who father alone. Support and guide them. Help them with an extra measure of patience as they strive to be a blessing to their children. Comforting and merciful God, we thank you for good memories of fathers we have lost. Continue to nurture and surround us with their love. Inclusive and embracing God, we thank you for welcoming us into your eternal family. May we cherish all your children as if they are our own. Eternal God, we thank you for preparing for us an eternal home where we will all find a place of belonging and abundance. God, our Father, we thank you for your Father's heart. Bless through it all fathers, mothers, children. Strengthen us all with your love. Enable us to become the loving, caring persons we are meant to be. Amen. foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you?
not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed. I, I am thy God, and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand. Upheld by my gracious, omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I cause thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. For I will be with thee thy troubles to bless, and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. Flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his post. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. In 1958, the philosopher Hannah Arendt published the book, The Human Condition, in which she argued that we find our being primarily in an active life, not a life of contemplation. This was a break from her teacher, Martin Heidegger, who said that our being is found in thinking. But then she said she, that an active life means that you're going to need forgiveness because we don't keep our promises. Without forgiveness, she said, we're like insects stuck in amber, like a fossil record of the past that can never move beyond what they did. Now, there may have been a personal reason for her focus on forgiveness. In 1924, almost 35 years before, she was an exceptionally precocious 17-year-old at the University of Marburg, Germany. One of the young professors was Martin Heidegger, who would go on to become one of the most influential philosophers of the new century. He was 35, married, with two children, and he and 17-year-old Hannah began a four-year affair, which would remain a secret until their deaths in the 1970s. A few years after their affair in Germany, Adolf Hitler was elected. Martin Heidegger gave speeches supporting the Nazis, while Hannah, a Jew, was arrested by the Gestapo. She was released shortly thereafter, and she fled first to Paris and then to, to New York. So moving back to her book in 1958, she credits Jesus with discovering the power and the importance of forgiveness. Which she says breaks the cycle of reaction to create something new. But then she criticizes Jesus. 
because she, his forgiveness, the reason for forgiveness, is based on love, which she says is too otherworldly. Instead, she argues that forgiveness can be based on mutual respect. When she was asked about Martin Heidegger's support of the Nazis, she said he was just naive. He didn't understand. I was reminded of the words of Jesus, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Recently, I was on a long drive listening to an espionage thriller in which an assassin showed mercy to his wife's killer. Because at the last minute, he sees something of himself in the killer. I was surprised by my emotional reaction to this example of forgiveness in a cheap book meant for simple entertainment. Even in a dime store novel, the beauty of forgiveness is not hard to see. But here's my question. Is mutual respect a sufficient ground for forgiveness? Mutual respect depends upon the character of the person being forgiven. What happens when the respect is not there? Wrongs committed cause real injury. They're not just empty history. They have a reality that cannot be ignored or swept under the rug. Jesus did not act as if the reality of evil could be waved away. He did more than talk about forgiveness. He gave himself to pay a price for what has been and for what will be. How does that work, you ask? I don't know. That's beyond my understanding. But it's real, just like the wrongs we commit. And it doesn't depend upon who you are. In other words, Jesus didn't die for you because he respected you. As Paul said, even while we were sinners, he died for us. Hannah Arendt was right. It is otherworldly, that love. Here's the thing. Jesus changed everything 2,000 years ago. We don't live in the same world anymore. I've heard it said that we live in a world that dreams Christian dreams, even if it doesn't believe. Forgiveness is in the air. That cheap thriller I read didn't mention Jesus, but it would not have been written that way if it hadn't been for Jesus. And Hannah Arendt, I don't believe she would have been considering the question of forgiveness if it had not been for Jesus. Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. That's why we can forgive. Let's stand together as we sing. Come, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me ever to adore thee, may I still thy goodness prove. While the hope of endless glory fills my heart with joy and love, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to all 
rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Never let me wander from thee, never leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Thank you. You may be seated. A quick announcement before um, we hear the word of the Lord. Um, we will be picking up encouragement cards after communion, um, but before the benediction. So if you have encouragement cards to write, feel free to finish those up and put them on the end to be picked up in a little bit. Good morning, church. Hear the word of the Lord this morning from 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forgiveness is powerful. There is nothing more beautiful and moving than when we see of examples of forgiveness um, depicted in life or in art, whether that be through books, music, drawings, movies, TV, plays, etc., I don't know about you, but I can think of several examples of them even now, and they deeply move my spirit, every one of them. I believe that these examples of forgiveness um, connect with me and perhaps with many of us because all of us have had to seek out forgiveness or have had another seek out our forgiveness at some point in our lives. However, forgiveness is more than just words that, makes, that make others feel better or words that relieve our own guilt. Forgiveness must include some kind of action of change along with it. I believe that it's not enough to simply check off the box and say, I'm sorry. One must also put forth the effort to show their regret through a change in their actions. One must change. Otherwise, what's the point? A ridiculously silly example of this that comes to mind is from the TV show, The Office. In this particular episode, Dwight conducts a fire drill, but this drill, um, in this drill, he creates actual smoke, makes the door handles hot, etc. As a result of this um, comes not only what I think is one of the funniest scenes in all of television history, but it also makes one of his coworkers have a heart attack because of all the stress. Corporate then requires that he apologize and get everyone's signature to acknowledge that they have heard and perhaps accepted his apology. He does uh, apologize to the entire office. He says, I state my regret. But it is clear that he does not mean it. And his actions continue to show this throughout the episode. Of course, when we hear examples like this, we think, well, that, that's absurd. And sure, it absolutely is. But how often do we do the same thing in our lives? How often do we simply say the words, I'm sorry, in order to check off a box, but with absolutely no intention to change? Is this true forgiveness? Unfortunately, I believe that I, that we, as God's people, still have lots of work to do when it comes to forgiveness. For example, today we celebrate Juneteenth which is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the United States. 
Although we celebrate this day as a country where slaves were freed, I think that it's important to also point out the ways that we still need to seek forgiveness from our siblings of color for the ways that we still participate in systems of white supremacy that devalue the image of God in them based on skin color. But I don't think it's enough for me just to stand up here and say sorry for that, even though I am truly sorry for the ways that I'm complicit in this evil. Sure, it takes me recognizing and asking for forgiveness. That's important. But then I must also work to change my behavior so that I don't continue to participate in this going forward. Some ways that I do this are by educating myself and others, by advocating, by financially supporting organizations and businesses of, of people of color, etc. My words and my actions together are what model true forgiveness and transformation. Regardless of whether we are asking for forgiveness from God, from one another, or from ourselves, words become cheap if we continue to participate in the same action for which we sought forgiveness for in the first place. Therefore, forgiveness is hard work. It's beautiful. It's godlike. It's difficult work that we do alongside each other and alongside God in order to create a vision of reconciliation and peace that we find on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. As we come to the table this morning, I am reminded of the story of Emmaus, where the disciples were traveling along with Jesus, but didn't recognize him until they ate the bread. Today, as we eat the bread at this table, may we recognize the ways that we need to ask for forgiveness from others and from God as we love and care for Jesus within everyone. Let's pray. Most merciful God, we, your people, confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not valued our own selves as ones created in your image, and we have not ceased to participate in systems that devalue your image in others. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. Make our hearts to look more like your heart, O God, and help us to reflect our own so sorrow and desire to change, not just in our words, but in our actions. Help us also to extend compassion and forgiveness to others, just as you extend it to us each day. Bless this table now, O God, and all who gather here, along with the bread and the cup, that by meeting you here, our eyes would in fact be opened to the ways that we can meet you within everyone we encounter. Restore us, O God, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, for you are in the process of making all things new, even now. All glory is yours now and forever. Amen. All are welcome to the table of the Lord this morning. Jesus. 
There's a shelter for the downcast, a balm that heals the outcast. There is mercy for each trespass. Touch the hem of his garment. There's a haven from the tempest. There's Touch the hem of his garment. There's a blessed assurance that will conquer my fears. There's a river of healing that will wash all my tears. There's a the hem of his garment. Listen, friend, his voice is speaking, and for you his heart is beating. You will find him if you seek him. Touch the hem of his garment. assurance that will conquer my fears. There's a river of healing that will wash all my tears. There's a fountain of goodness in a the hem of his garment. There's a blessed assurance that will conquer my fears. There's a river of healing that will wash
Colbearing family, I admit that I really love writing prayers and blessings. Um, they bring me a great deal of joy and comfort um, to write and to share. But I will also admit that I was not really feeling joyful or comforted as I began writing this benediction for today. I wasn't feeling great. I was just having a really hard time. There was so much that I like wanted to say and nothing sounded right. So as I was doing a lot of writing and erasing, and then even more writing and erasing, um, I began to hear a phrase from the Psalms come to mind. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What started as a gentle whisper during my writing and erasing then turned into a calm but firm anthem in my head. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. So church, this is my prayer for us today as we leave this place. God, create in us clean hearts. Create in us hearts that are prepared to do the long, hard work of forgiveness. Create in us hearts that ask for forgiveness where necessary, make restitution where possible, and care more for the hurts of those that we have harmed than for the hope of our own relief from guilt. Create in us hearts that are patient and do not respond in shame or frustration when the ones we have offended are not easily or readily able to forgive. Create in us hearts that are willing to talk, to learn, and to forgive together as we work together for reconciliation on earth as it is in heaven. Create in us hearts that not only ask for forgiveness in our words, but also in our actions. Create in us hearts that desire to forgive others as you have forgiven us. Create in us hearts that truly see your created ones, including ourselves, as ones made in your image and therefore worthy of love, mercy, and care. Create in us hearts that are restless for truth, justice and restoration hearts that don't just see the world as it is and think eh good enough but hearts that would partner with you to work for the flourishing of all things create in us clean hearts O god and renew a right spirit within us this we pray amen go in peace <laughs>